Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Crime Weekly News. I'm Derek Lavasser. And I'm Stephanie Harlow. And we have a really sad story for you guys tonight. I'm going to get right into it. On the evening of Tuesday, December 5th, 2023, Jacqueline Medina arrived home to find her 16-year-old daughter, Elizabeth Medina, dead in the bathtub of their apartment. She had been stabbed to death. Now, Liz was a cheerleader at Edna High School in Texas, and she'd been scheduled to take part in the town's Christmas parade with her cheer squad that night. On December 9th, an arrest was made in her murder. This is interesting because I was saying to Stephanie, she sent the script over. Uh, I actually just covered this case on Crime Feed. It hasn't came out yet, but I was doing all the research for the case before the arrest was made. And I had some opinions on who this person could be. Um, but obviously the script had to change because before we recorded the episode, they made an arrest and obviously it, it changed a lot of the dynamics involving the case. But for anyone who hasn't heard of the case, Stephanie's going to fill you in on all the details. So Liz's mother, Jacqueline, last saw her daughter at 6 a.m. on that Tuesday morning when she was leaving for work. She woke Liz up for cheerleading practice, and then she did speak to her on the phone when she arrived at work. The last contact that anyone had with Lizbeth was at 7.30 a.m., and after that, she stopped responding to texts and calls, and this led people to believe that her phone's battery had died. Since Liz had been absent from school the day before, that Monday, because she was sick, no one really thought anything about it when she did not arrive to school again on Tuesday. Now, when Jacqueline finished up with work, she watched the Christmas parade, and when she didn't see Liz in the parade, she asked Liz's friends where she was, but no one knew. That's when Jacqueline started to feel anxious. She rushed home to find her daughter dead in the bathtub. And Jacqueline had no idea how this had happened since only she and Liz had keys to their apartment. And this is actually really sad and tragic for so many reasons, but after leaving work, Jacqueline went home quickly uh, to change her clothes. And she has now come out and said, like, she can't believe it. You know, she didn't go in the bathroom. She didn't think Liz was home. So she wasn't looking for her. She just ran in really quick, changed her clothes before going out for the Christmas parade. And she said the whole time my daughter was, you know, there in, in the bathtub dying or, or, or dead already. I believe probably dying because they said first responders arrived and they tried to save Liz, but they couldn't, which I assume means that there was a chance that she could have been saved and she was still holding on. And Jacqueline just feels a great deal of guilt about this. But for a few days, nobody really knew what had happened. And as Derek said, you know, people are speculating who could have done this, who could it have been. And then on the evening of Saturday, December 9th, the Edna Police Department received information concerning the location of a suspect in the murder of Lisbeth Medina. Now, this information led law enforcement to Schulenburg, Texas, which is about an hour north of Edna. And the suspect was identified as 23-year-old Rafael Govea Romero, who was charged with capital murder. Police say that Romero is undocumented and in the United States on an expired visa. Before Romero's arrest, police had released photos of him as a person of interest in the case, and he was seen driving a silver Ford Taurus. Police say they have seized items of evidence from Romero's vehicle that connect him to Lisbeth's murder. No one in Lisbeth's family knows Romero, and police are trying to figure out how he and Lisbeth were connected or if they had any kind of relationship at all. Liz's mother, Jacqueline, did have some statements, however, claiming she'll never forget the image of her daughter's dead body in that bathtub and saying, quote, I don't understand why. My God, why would they do this to her? She's such a beautiful, smart, and amazing girl. There's moments where I just can't take it, and then there's moments where I feel like I need to be strong for her, 
I just want everybody to know that she was an amazing child. She wasn't a normal teenager getting in trouble for doing crazy stuff. She was very mature for her age. She was a caring and loving person who, as far as I know, from the messages I received, she changed a lot of people's lives. I just want everybody to remember her that way and not the way she was taken from me, end quote. Now, at this point, the investigation does remain open. A motive has not been revealed, and details about Rafael Romero have not been released. Romero is currently being held on a $2 million bond. He's also been placed on hold by the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE. And we are going to discuss kind of what we think about this, um, why we think this happened, you know, any any kind of speculation about what what the possible relationship between uh, Romero and Lisbeth could have been. But we're going to take a quick break first. All right, we're back. So, yeah, I'm kind of I kind of feel like this was random. I don't feel like there was any relationship between Lisbeth and Romero. I kind of feel like maybe she got up when her mother woke her up to go to practice she may have even left the apartment. He spotted her outside of the apartment, maybe leaving her apartment and forced her back inside, which is when the murder happened. I could be completely off base though, but I just don't understand what relationship a 16-year-old girl would have with uh, you know, a man in his 20s. How old was he? Um, 23. 23. Yeah, 23 years old. So I think it kind of maybe was a crime of opportunity for him, but like I said, I could be completely off base. They really haven't said anything about this person, Romero. They haven't said what country he's from, how long he's been here, what was he doing while he was here. So that's interesting because they know this stuff by now, but I'm I'm curious as to why they haven't revealed that information. But what do you, what do you make of this since you did cover this for Crime Feed? So what are you thinking? So you could be right. Uh couple things that I took away from it. First off, and this is only for peace of mind for Jacqueline. And again, I don't know. I wasn't there. A lot of the times in the police reports, especially from rescue workers, you'll see that they rendered aid in an attempt to you know, resuscitate them. I will tell you from firsthand experience, a lot of the times they're already gone, but they have to do that. They have to at least attempt it, even if the person's been dead for three or four hours. So I just want to put it out there. I don't know if Jacqueline's going back and forth on this. Like what? And even if I said this and she listened, she still wouldn't probably care what I have to say. But it's also very possible that if 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 Elizabeth was stabbed in the morning, maybe around 8 a.m., which is what they think might be the time frame, if she was bleeding out by the time when she came home at lunch, more than likely she was already dead. Even if rescue workers, when they arrived, tried to quote unquote resuscitate her unsuccessfully. She could have been dead for many, many hours. So hopefully Jacqueline is a, can can rationalize that. What makes them think that it was around 830 a.m.? 730. So the only thing that I saw was that she stopped responding to, uh, you know, the last contact she had with anyone was around 730 a.m. So it may not have been then. That's the last, you know, that's the last, that's the beginning of the window where she, because she had spoken to, I believe her mom, she had spoken to her after she arrived at work, and then the last time anyone had contact with her was 7.30 a.m. So it's sometime in that window between then and lunchtime or what dinner time, whenever Jacqueline came home to change. Um, but when I initially got this, like I said, there was very little information. They, have any, they hadn't even released the photo or the description of the vehicle, which was this uh, Taurus, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So that was even before that, and I was writing a bunch of things down, like, Okay, they're going to have to look at her social media applications. 
They're going to have to look at any um, text messages. They're going to have to look through all of that stuff to find out if she's having any correspondence with anyone who would know that she's going to be home during that time frame or know where she lives, right? I What you said there about why would what would a 16-year-old have anything to do with a 23-year-old? Completely agree with you. However, we know that even though they shouldn't be talking to each other, it doesn't mean that they weren't. Now, I don't have any information to suggest they were. I will tell you that Edna police are going to be able to figure that out really quickly. They're going to be able to see if there's any digital evidence linking these two individuals. But on the idea that this is some random person, it's a very plausible scenario because we know that the apartment complex, I believe it's Cottonwood apartment complex. If you look at the photos of this place, there's multiple, the residences are very close to each other. So it's really possible that let's just say for the sake of this conversation, there's not a previous connection that they can prove through digital evidence, right? Mm -hmm. There's no connection whatsoever. It's possible that Raphael was living at that apartment complex, which doesn't seem likely, or he was visiting someone from that apartment complex and happened to see Elizabeth in that apartment complex, saw her mother leave. That's possible. Or it could be a situation where, again, they're going to look into Elizabeth's whereabouts and her different locations leading up to this incident. Is there a scenario where Raphael was at a gas station or at an event for her friends where obviously he's older, where he saw her and followed her home? That's also possible. Everything's basically on the table at this point. But if I were a betting man, I'm going to, I'm going to, again, no I got no inside information, but I feel like there's a little bit of a clue in the charge. And if you, like Stephanie said, they charged him with capital murder. And in Texas, if you look that up, there's a lot of different stipulations that could justify a capital murder charge, but a lot of them don't apply. Like, for example, one of them's if you kill a police officer or a fireman. Obviously, that's not why they're going with capital murder for this charge. But if you look at Number two on that list, and I'm going to read it verbatim here, okay? Uh, if the person, this the suspect, intentionally commits the murder in the course of committing or attempting to commit kidnapping, burglary, robbery, aggravated sexual assault, arson, obstruction or retaliation, or terroristic threat under Section 2-2, they give all these numbers, right? Mm-hmm. For me, under there, there's really only one that sticks out to me as far as if the motivation is sexual in nature, could this individual, Raphael, had seen her, been attracted to her, mm-hmm. and gained entry that way? They said they had some DNA, I believe, as well. I could be wrong on this. I might be mixing up cases, but I thought they said there was some DNA. They haven't They haven't said that anywhere, but... Okay, so I might be mixing it up. But... Yeah, they haven't said that anywhere that I can tell. So let's just, for the sake of this conversation, say maybe I'm jumbling that with one of the other seven cases I researched this week. And you know what? I think I might you might be right on this one because I feel like it's a different case that I won't say it was under her fingernails, not related to this one. So I apologize. But with this one, the fact that they were so quick to charge this person before they even had him or, or, or at least say the charge was going to be capital murder. It tells me that she was killed, obviously, very viciously. There was no doubt that this wasn't a suicide or an accident. And there might have been evidence of a, a secondary crime, potentially a sexual assault. I would that say led yes them to this capital murder charge. Yeah, that's my hunch. That's my hunch. So if I were a betting man, I would say that there might be a there might be a situation here where, to your point, 
it's unrelated because if this was someone she knew, even though ethically, legally it's wrong, if she was having a sexual relationship with this individual, which is possible, we've seen this before, again, legally, ethically wrong, but if she was sneaking him over or whatever, there's no incentive, there's no reason to kill her. Right. He would be over there with her, with her, obviously her blessing. So the only reason it would go south like this is if he wanted to take something that wasn't uh, being afforded to him. So I feel like there could be something there with that where Elizabeth may not have known this guy, but I will tell you this, they're going to be able to figure this one out really quick. They're going to be able to connect the dots to find out how Raphael crossed paths with Elizabeth. But, you know, it, a lot of it's still up in the air. It's an open investigation. So, yeah, I just don't feel like if this was somebody she knew, somebody who she was talking to, they planned to like meet up that day. And she's like, wait till my mom goes to work and then come over. There's there's no motive right, to take right. her life, you know, and, and in fact, why would he take her life if he knew that there was some sort of electronic trail that they had been talking, that they had planned to meet that day. Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense. It, like I said, it seems more to me like a crime of opportunity. I do believe that he was probably staying in Schollenberg where he was arrested. And maybe he was in the area visiting someone else. Uh, the apartment complex, which is Cottonwood, it says that they're near major area employees like Formosa, Interplast Group, Caterpillar. Maybe he worked for one of those places. So maybe he worked in Edna and he just happened to be driving by and he saw her and he took this as an opportunity to force her back into the apartment. And yes, I do believe obviously the motive was sexual assault. She's a 16-year-old girl. What does she have to offer him? He's not going to rob her. There didn't appear that there was like anything missing from the apartment. It didn't appear like there was, you know, things knocked down. Um, most likely she was forced back into the apartment, in my opinion. And he was like, you know, if you don't scream and struggle, I won't hurt you. But then obviously he did. He killed her. I think that that it's very unlikely they that she knew him and she let him in willingly. He could have knocked on the door and been like, oh, I'm, you know, from maintenance. And so she just opened the door and then he forced his way in. Who knows? But I don't think that this was somebody she knew and had some kind of existing or pre-existing relationship with. That would just be, it would be less likely. Yeah, no, I, I heard somewhere that she was possibly in her pajamas when she was found, which would which would go towards what you're saying, by mm -hmm. the way. This isn't something where she was out with someone. It, 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 you're looking into it, but it gives you a couple avenues to explore. She's in her pajamas if she was expecting company, someone she was attracted to or into, you can maybe speak to this more than me, but more than likely she would have been out of her PJs, maybe dressed up a little nicer if she knew someone was coming over. Um, but it also suggests well, she had that, cheerleading like practice. Said, she had cheerleading practice too, you know, so, and she was going to be in the Christmas parade that right. night. So she's not going to not go to cheerleading practice and then go to the Christmas parade because then everyone's going to be like, well, where, where were you? And so she's planning to go to cheerleading practice. What I'm saying is to your point where more there's a very strong possibility she's getting ready for school or whatever. Mm -hmm. She's still in her pajamas and someone knocks on the door unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. And that's when she opens the door and she's attacked because if this was someone and it's possible that he, you know, she was having someone over. Maybe it hadn't advanced to that sexual level yet. And when he came over, that's what he wanted. She didn't. That's also possible. We may find that out. But to the scenario that you're laying out, she's in her pajamas. She's getting ready to go to school. She knows she has the parade that night. She's obviously got to go to school that day. Someone who's a worker, something like that, comes to the door, pushes her back into the apartment, and then everything happens. This reminds me of a couple cases. 
And it's not a carbon copy, but the first case that comes to mind is uh, Faith Hedgepeth out of North Carolina. And then the second case that comes to mind, which is, a, again, a little different circumstance, Jennifer Kessie, right? We know that she wasn't found at the apartment complex, but that's a case we've covered here, where if you were to tell us down the road that this was a worker who was there, who attacked her on, you know, at the apartments and then took her somewhere else, would completely believe you, right? And you could have a situation here where it's similar, where this person is not someone who's living there religiously, but is working there or visiting someone. And they see this woman, they see this young girl around the apartment, they see which one she goes into, they see the mom leave in the morning, and that's when they decide to approach the door and, and you know, try to uh, try to make contact with her for obviously nefarious reasons. So there's a lot to unpack with this one, and it's there's not too much we can say because they haven't given all the details, but I think we're all kind of thinking the same thing, especially with the capital murder charge and how quickly that came out and how quickly we're able to identify this individual because it was good police work. They got it done fast. And, uh, you know, for an undocumented individual, that can sometimes pose a lot of issues for law enforcement. So it's 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 great to see they were able to track him down so so quickly. Yeah. And we obviously our hearts go out to Elizabeth's family, especially her mother, who I know is going to be racked with guilt, whether or not her, you know, spotting Elizabeth when she came home to change would have made a difference. It's still going to be. It's going to rack her with guilt. And Jacqueline said, you know, they basically grew up as best friends because she had Lisbeth when she was 16 years old. So they grew up, you know, very close and uh, they grew up together, basically. Right. And they had just moved to Edna a few months prior for Jacqueline's job. They were staying at the Cottonwood Suites, I believe, uh, the apartment complex temporarily. Came from Nebraska. Yep. Yep. And and then Edna's a small town, I think. 2,000 people live there. This isn't, you know, a huge town. They probably don't have a huge police force. So considering that, uh, this this police force moved extremely quickly and, and sort of brought this case to some kind of resolution. At least they have somebody in custody for this murder, and that's not how, how it always goes. So at least we can be grateful for that. A hundred percent. And I hope he gets the book thrown on him, and he's in Texas. Capital murder. Mm-hmm. Innocent until proven guilty in a court of law, of course. But if found guilty... Texas, do your thing. Do your thing. That's all I'm going to say. No, this is terrible. And it's, we always try to educate, inform, look, learn from these. But as we've seen in a couple cases, some of them you just can't. Evil's out there. And if there's a will, there's a way. We always talk about the phrase, right? And you said it again tonight a, a victim of opportunity. And I wouldn't even, I would argue she wasn't even a victim of opportunity. She's in her own home, she's in her apartment. If you're not safe there, where are you safe? This is just, evil walking amongst us. And even when the opportunity isn't presented, making an opportunity, right? You should be able to open your door. And by the way, she might've had a peephole or whatever. We don't know. But if she looks in the peephole, sees this guy standing there, like you said, it could be, he could be posed as a worker. Someone, you know, think they're like a maintenance guy, whoever it might be. You open the door thinking, okay, worst case scenario, they got the wrong door and you answer it and you're going to be on your way. No way in that moment. Are you thinking this? But I guess we can all go back to the whole paranoia. Living with a little paranoia is not a bad thing. It's better to be safe than sorry. So in this situation, I don't know if she had a people or not. Let's assume she didn't. What would you do in this situation, Derek? You you, not, you hear the knock at the door. Who is it? They tell you who they are. If it's not someone you recognize, what do you need? 
This is what I need, even if it's super important. Hey, unfortunately, uh, I can't let you in right now. Don't say you're home alone. Don't say you're home alone. I don't care if you're an adult. Uh, unfortunately, we can't let you in right now. I'm going to give you a number, call this number, leave a message. We'll find a better time for you to come back. Now, it may inconvenience them and it may inconvenience you. But if it's that important, tell them to get the police to come over and then and then you'll open the door. Other than that, tell them they got to come back or they can email you or they can give you, a, you can give them a phone number. Try not to give them your personal number. I always tell you, maybe have a secondary number. But listen, don't open the door because once you do that, that barrier between you two it's now eliminated. So that's the only thing I can say. It may sound a little weird, but if you're not expecting this person, if you're not expecting a package, if it's not like a DoorDash or an Uber, even then, have them pick the pick the uh, option that lets them leave it at the door. That's the best I can say. There's no perfect scenario. I wish I could tell you you're absolutely safe, but there is no scenario where you are. All you can do is create as many barriers between you and a potential offender and hope that it's enough. That's the best you can do. Yeah, I was going to say that. And I've done this several times as a grown woman myself. Um, I'll have RG&E people come. And they'll be like, oh, we're here to read the meter. So they need to come inside. And I'm like, no, you're not going to come inside right now. And I'll yeah, call no, no. I'll call RG&E even. And I'll be like, oh, do you have somebody in the area reading meters? Well, and I'll let them sit outside. I'm sorry. I just will. I'm If, I, if I'm alone in the house, no one's coming in. So, and then I'll, I'll have them say, yes, we do have somebody in the house. I'll be like in the area and I'll be like, okay, what's their name? And then they'll give me the name and I'll say, Hey, let me see your badge, you Call know, like hold it up to the people. Let me see your badge. Um, in this case, you know, she could call the apartment complex. Hey, do you have a maintenance man coming to my apartment? Cause there's somebody outside. Or she can even say to him, here, I'm going to call the apartment complex and just verify really quick. And if he's not really legitimately there, he's going to take off, you know? So, and then, and then there's your answer. 100%. And even if he tries to break the door down, you got a couple seconds to call 911 and, and uh, you know, get into a, a room, start locking doors between you and that main door, mm-hmm. lock as many doors as you can. Go into your bedroom, lock that door, go into the closet, hold that door shut. Whatever you can do just to slow them down before law enforcement arrives. And and it's not in Crime Weekly News, but in the Crime Weekly episode, and I'll, we have a bunch of ads. We always have ads, but we have a Simply Safe ad. And it brings me back to that because we just recorded it. Try to get a security camera, even if you're at an apartment complex, whether you have a peephole or not. I have it. I know Stephanie has it. Uh, they're huge. They're critical. Have something there. And by the way, they're super cheap these days. Get it. You can use some type of adhesive to put it on the door. Even if it's an apartment, you can put it right outside your apartment door. You can have it connected to your phone. You don't even have to get near the door. They don't even have to know your home. You can go into your back bedroom, get on the uh, the, rec- the the voice of the uh, the microphone of the uh, the ring doorbell or the Simply Safe security system, whatever you use, and you can say, "Hey, how can I help you?" Yeah, nobody's home right now. Just you know, come back later. And you can watch and hear what they're doing. So there's ways to prepare for the worst case scenario so that you're better equipped for it. But that's all we can really do in this situation. This is a tragic set of circumstances. This shouldn't have happened. She did nothing wrong. We're, we're just trying to prevent it from happening again. Even for DoorDash, like you were saying, tell them to leave it at the door. I always tell Drop them to it. leave it at the door, right? Always. But like I'm, I'm at a rented house right now because of my new recording space and I don't have my, my security system. I don't have my cameras. So I make sure every time I come in, I lock the door. I lock the deadbolt. I order Starbucks in the morning and I always see leave it at the door. And two days ago, 
the doorbell rang and I'm like, what the heck? And I like go over and I see the guy through the thing and he's like holding it up and I'm like, leave it. And then he calls me on the app and he's like, no, wait, I'm good. I, I need to hand it to you. And I said, no, it says leave it. And he's like, I need to hand it to you. And he was so insistent about it. And I was like, leave it at the door. Leave it at the door. Like I knew it was the door. I knew it was the DoorDash guy because he's calling me from the app. But still, why are you like, I clearly see that the order says leave it at the door. Why are you so insistent that I open the door so you can hand it to me. We're not playing this game. Right? I don't like that. Yeah, I, don't I don't like, like it that. either. So like with I'm Uber super- Eats, they can just give you a code. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. But regardless, don't ever let somebody convince you. And who knows? Maybe Jacqueline left that morning, didn't even lock the door. We don't know. She might have, you know, they came from Nebraska, yeah. you know, so they they came from it's possible. Probably- Maybe you don't uh, expect it. You don't expect it. You know, you're not thinking you're leaving. You know, she's leaving soon. And w- even what even if he had come to the door and said, let me in, I'm the maintenance man. And Jack and, and Elizabeth said, no, she still has to shortly get dressed and leave the apartment to go to school now. And he could be waiting outside right. for her. Yeah. So it's just like it's so, it's so stressful. And it's like you try to do your best to protect yourself and the people you love. There's only so much you can do. You can't hide in your house forever. But there are ways to protect exactly. yourself. And I highly suggest, especially someplace like Texas. I know in New York, we can't carry like pepper spray and stuff. <laughs> With the, mm. Like in New York, they Texas, give us- Texas, you can have a whole- In Texas, you can have an arsenal, you know, a rocket right? launcher in Texas. But, but for a 16-year-old girl in Texas, she should have pepper spray or something and carry that bitch in your hand yeah. when you leave the apartment every single time, you know, and be prepared for that. Like, unfortunately- I'm a strong proponent, and we've said it before- in- if you're if you're in your home and we can have a maybe we'll do a live about this one day, but if you're in your home, even if you're not like you know big into concealed carry, you should always have a firearm in your home. Because and again, let it collect dust in a safe for mm-hmm. for years. Never open it up. But on that crazy day where something like this happens, where that guy refuses to leave the front door, that's when you go open that little safety deposit box or whatever you have, and you hold it in your hand. You sit in the back room. You call law enforcement, and you hope you don't have to use it. But if he decides to come in. And he decides to make you the his victim. He chose the wrong one. Or you just say, you know I, have gun. I have a gun. I have a gun. You know, I do know what you're saying. You just can't you know tell what I'm it. saying without saying I have a gun. OK. And apparently she was apparently she was stabbed. Do you know the saying with the stabbing with a, with a knife? Come on. You know it. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> That's right. Amen, sister. Amen. Listen, one more thing, because this is Crime Weekly News where we can kind of go off script a little bit more. Because you spoke about DoorDash and Uber Eats, and I've been seeing a trend that I don't like. I ordered DoorDash more than I care to admit, and I don't know if you have experienced it, but way down in the comments if you have, because I really don't like this, and it's been happening a lot lately. I'm getting a lot of situations where both on DoorDash and Uber Eats, I'm seeing a picture of the person, right? The last one was this woman, Dina, seeing this picture who I'm expecting to see at my door. Not the person that shows up. Some dude showed up. Looked nothing like her. Yeah. Not a fan. Yeah. Not a fan. I'm at the point where I'm going to start turning people away and being like, I'm just hungry. And I'm like, I'll take it. But I do not like that because we don't want to set that precedent because what's happening, I don't even know why this is happening, but I don't mind. I don't mind if it's, if it's a driver who doesn't want to be alone walking up to these doors because they have to protect themselves as much as the people receiving the items. So I'm totally okay with it. But I want to see the person that's on the app with you, not a completely different person. So I've been seeing that a lot. It didn't just happen once or twice. And I'm like, man, 
I really don't like that. And I'm sure there's policies against it. I'm sure there's an Uber or DoorDash person who's on here right now who's going, yeah, that's absolutely not cool. Report it in the app. And I feel bad. I never report it in the app because I understand that, you know, they're doing it the right way. They, they're trying to make ends meet. They're doing their thing. I don't want to get them in trouble, but I will say I, I don't like it. And that could create another avenue where you have an individual posing as someone to try to gain entry to your apartment. It's just, I don't like it. That was a little a little spiel I had that I thought about the other day and said, I'm going to mention this on Crime Weekly News. So one of my daughter's friends drives for DoorDash and she always has friends in the car. And I'm, I'm not like trying to get anybody in trouble. I'm not going to say this person's name, but she always brings one, two, three friends say it. with her. Say it. No, one, two, three friends with her in the car while she's driving around making these deliveries. And like, I get it, but I for safety? also- No, for- or for fun. For fun, for companionship, because she gets bored in the car alone, which is something okay. I don't understand, because it's like, okay. I, I, I live to be alone. Like, I live for it. So what I do know that happens is sometimes they'll pull up to a house and she'll be like, oh, I don't want to get out of the car. And she'll send one of her friends out with the order. Yep. And, and personally for me, like when when I was listening, because I was listening to them talk one day in the kitchen, I was like, I don't really like that because it's my food, you know? And I don't know what kind of freaking hooligans you're with. Like if, if something happens to my food and I get like food poisoning or I get sick or something, at least there's one person we can like go back to, the person who was driving. But now you got three people in the damn car with you. We've all seen the movie Waiting, right? If you haven't with Ryan Reynolds, if you haven't seen Waiting, you should. But it's like my food is in the car and you could easily like poison it, spit in it, do something like stupid that these stupid kids do thinking it's funny. And I, I don't feel comfortable with you turning the the job of bringing me my food into like a social activity because I know how stupid kids get when they're together. They do stupid things that they wouldn't normally do if they were alone. So I just say that. Yeah, it's like a, a little bit of a tangent. And I don't know if it's allowed or if it's not. I don't know what the policy is, but I would be willing to bet it's not. I mean, my thing is like, this is so sad to admit this, but uh, police officers that listen to this show will understand this as a cop. When we order food out, I just I just know in my career I've definitely eaten food that's been spitting. That's just like, you just got to accept it. You just got to accept it at this point. So that doesn't even bother me as much anymore. Yeah, well, would it bother you if somebody, would it bother you if some guy like put his hands on his balls and then like grabbed your french fries though? Like you got pubic hair in there? I mean, listen, it would bother me a lot. Yeah. It would definitely be a punch in the mouth for sure. But- (laughs) A punch in the mouth. I I can't control- Be something in the mouth. I can't control- It'd be something in the mouth. Well, I meant punching him in the mouth. But yeah, yeah, that too. You're not wrong. It'd definitely be something. But my my bigger concern is, I know there's background checks that go on with these these types of apps, or at least I believe there is. When you start having other people in the car, the, the tracking ability of the DoorDash company or Uber Eats to say who is, like if I'm a law enforcement officer, right? And there's a young woman who's killed like this. I'm going to look at these apps to see if anybody's delivered packages to her. Now, if the Uber drivers and the uh, DoorDashers are allowing other people to with them, and maybe that person goes up to the door and sees a young girl by herself and they drop off food to her and note that and come back later. Well, if that person's not part of the company, there's no way for me to track that. I may see that a female delivered a package to them when it wasn't actually that person. I may cross them off the list after talking to them not realizing it was someone else with them who delivered the package. So that's that's where I'm coming from it as a detective. 
I want the person, chain of custody, right? I want the person who's supposed to have the package to hand deliver or drop that package off. And it also minimizes the amount of people that are being exposed or to different individuals as they're ordering this food. So a lot that can be done. I want to hear what everyone has to say about this in the comments, because I think there's going to be a lot of people who have experienced something like this and probably have a lot of opinions on it. So way down below, let us know what you think. But no, this was to bring it back. Obviously, like you said, condolences to Jacqueline and her family. Hopefully this is the guy. If it is the guy, he should be held accountable. And like I said, Texas has a, you know, they're, they're pretty strict with this stuff, especially when it comes to capital murder, comes to killing a young girl like this could be, could be bad for him, but we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. If there's an update, we'll let you know. Any final words from you, Stephanie Harlow? No, I'm all set. All right. We appreciate you guys being here with us. Stay safe out there and we'll see you later in this week for Crime Weekly. Lindsay Clancy part two coming at you. We'll talk to you soon. Be safe. Bye.